welcome back to Don't Bottle That Shit with Olivia Sergei. Today I've got Louis on, um, who's going to talk to us about his experiences with mental health. Um, Louis at Leeds um, with me. Third year. Third year. <laughs> I tell you what, it does feel weird being in the um, the guest seat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm glad yeah. to be here. Happy Louis to be here. Um, got his own podcast, which you should go check out, called the Louis Morgan Podcast. Um, where he speaks about mental health and um, other things also. Um, but yeah, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, by way of background, um, third year law, like I said. Um, the reason that I, just briefly, as to why I sort of set up my own podcast was basically because I, um, when I was 12, I lost my brother in, keep it short, a car accident. Um, and then just, not last year, it was two years ago now, um, I lost my dad to a like, like a heart attack times like a thousand. I describe it as so um, the aorta just like completely tears away from the heart, and if and then uh, I found out like two weeks later that it's genetic. So I sort of that was, and then obviously about a few months later, country went into lockdown. And that's when sort of my mental health really took a toll, um, and I was like revising for exams and everything, um, and I thought. During exam season, what's what what's, what's the best procrastination method? So um, that's why I set it up. Um, and yeah, well, that's here I am. That's me. Here you are. Um, so yeah, why don't you uh, tell us a bit about like how your mental health has kind of like evolved through the years? Like, I'm presuming that like when you were 12, your mental health was yeah. pretty bad. Um, through the years, uh, I would say I was. I mean, I can't really exactly remember as a kid but I think I was a pretty happy kid happy uh, jolly kid um, and then obviously when I lost my brother that was uh, yeah probably one of the worst experiences I've ever felt uh, been through um, first two weeks and I, I speak about this on one of my first episodes it's sort of like a um, like I, I was in a coma never mind the fact he was in a coma for two weeks um, I don't I don't remember uh, much of it at all um, and it's only since like the day he died I only like the th like I start to pick up and remember things so at that age I was sort of in denial quite a lot and that was quite one of the big things that led to me never actually getting over it until to, to fast forward a bit but I'll come back um, till I was like still 18 19 I was still like really struggling with it um, so I just sort of put it in the back of my mind uh, I did my GCSEs I just sort of and that's an, well another big thing was I went back to school pretty soon as well so like I said putting it at the back of my mind um, I wouldn't necessarily say like during GCSEs I struggled because obviously I'd isolated the incident let's call it um, and never really thought about it but when it sort of like hit me which was anniversaries birthdays that's when I was sort of definitely bed bound for the whole day um, didn't really speak about well I did I did I did speak my mum tried to get me counseling uh, from during these like GCSE times but I ignorant self thought talking about it wasn't gonna make a difference I remember literally being told that it was like a counselor in school um, and she sort of sat me down and literally sat there. I was like so angry, like, why am I here? I don't need to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember just coming out of that meeting, calling my mum, like, what? 
I was very like I was livid, like swearing, <laughs> swearing and everything. Um, and I just I was too naive to realise that talking about it would actually make a difference. Um, and then, funnily enough, <clears throat> we did um, to be quite niche. We did a in my English literature A level, I think it was. We were doing World War Two poetry and like, uh, do you know the book? Uh, is it what's it called? Uh, Re uh, regeneration. I don't know if I've heard it's, it. It's basically like about all these um, wartime soldiers from World War One um, who were going through like like PTSD, had all that, and it was sort of like about their like uh, they had to have their moment of like I don't know uh, uh, something that led to their rebirth, and then yeah. they become something else. Um, so it was about that, and that sort of that's when it sparked for me that okay, I'm not talking about this. I'm just sort of like floating through life with it at the back of my mind and that's not the way to go about it um and then that carried on um until my a levels i got through my a levels uh, reasonably well i think nobody no one no, goes through <laughs> nobody nobody comes out of their a levels without some sort of uh, stress stress some, some even me i don't know um so i got through them just about um, and I was on sort of like a, a little high flyer because I got into a uni that I never thought I'd get into because of the grades that I'd had before that. And then um, September, so it was September 2019. I always forget, and this is the thing, like I, it must be a recurring thing. I, 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 I always forget the dates. Um, 2019 was when I lost my dad. So that was the beginning of second. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Freshers Week. Of oh second years, the weekend before Freshers Week. You just don't want that. No, like that is not something you want to happen at then. all. At um, all, let alone then. The relationship I had with my dad then, I don't, I don't, my so losing my brother was obviously well for me was a lot harder than losing my dad because um, I never well since I lost my brother, my relationship with my dad broke down and I saw it probably was like we were seeing each other maybe like once a year. I think the last time I seen him saw him before he died was like. A year and a half um, and he came and just like dropped a card through his car with like parked up outside and dropped a card um, so he had a stroke I got the phone call <clears throat> um, went into hospital I remember thinking um, oh it's just like any normal strokes I hadn't known anyone that died of any stroke or anything um, they'll he'll come back some he'll have some sort of paralysis or something yeah. but we'll like work on a relationship after and, and sometimes people need um, I don't want to say like people need to have a non near death experience, but yeah. something to just like wake them up. Um, and that was definitely mine in terms of my relationship with my dad. Um, so that was mine in terms of my relationship with my dad. Uh, so yeah, so I didn't. Um, it didn't hit me as much initially, and when I was going into hospital because he was still alive for like three days and um, in the bed. Um, but then I thought it'd be a good idea to go back to uni two days after trying to replicate what I'd done with my brother five yeah. six years before um and that yeah that didn't bode well I uh, I remember there was two pre's that I went to um this was it within like a two-week band after and you know when you just I, I've never experienced I had never experienced it before but I just I couldn't not cry. And I was in a room oh, that I cry when I'm drunk all the time. This is the thing. Well, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. Men don't cry, do they? Never mind. Never mind when um, 
and I've, I don't think I've ever really, I have cried in front of people and since since then I have advocated for you know yeah so um but crying and just I just I was sat sort of my back against the wall uh, I was sat on the floor and I just I, I, honestly I just couldn't stop crying and there was about <laughs> there was about I think there must have been about 20 people in the room oh my god I hate when people um, like oh like oh are you okay I'm like no do you know the worst thing do you know the worst thing someone said oh he's definitely he's crying over a girl and at that point I was <laughs> just like, like um... <laughs> I don't do that anyway but no, like, no. um so I would say that was sort of I don't and then following that so I had a really bad two three weeks and then I thought sort of thought um I, I can sort myself out here I just got into a relationship so I could take my that was another tool for me to take things to stop thinking about things and to stop uh speaking about things um when ironically in a relationship you're supposed to speak about yeah. things um <laughs> so then I carried on until and then so yeah so I carried on through those that three month up until the Christmas period um and I think I I, I must have gone home to because I had so many breakdowns that later that year um and then yeah so like I said it all came to a, a T when lockdown hit um yeah that wasn't fun no <laughs> I don't think it was fun for anyone let alone if you have like some unresolved trauma yeah that you're like forced to well like deal with. yeah and then with pressing exams oh my god yeah, yeah. of course because my my um my stuff was just all cancelled in lockdown because mm. obviously I was, I was first year so they um they like were obviously prioritizing the older years yeah so i was like yeah. okay sweet um <laughs> i was just chilling but um yeah, obviously, like... Well, that's the thing, yeah, all the, all the first years... Did your exams get cancelled for that? Yeah. Yeah, they, they were nice to you. <laughs> yeah. But, like, second year, they weren't nice to second year, which is no. what I was in then. But what can you do? Yeah. I was just... I'm always an advocate of, like, um, you need to speak about it as much as you can and as openly as possible. But then at the same time, there is sort of, like, a... Um, and maybe this is just... I don't want to say this is the past me creeping in a little bit, but there is sort of like a point where you do need to just sort of like yeah, take yeah. responsibility, find that like, because you can't let your life just crumble because of a certain event yeah, or something course, like that. Yeah. So you have to sort of take a level of responsibility and take, I don't want to say take on that burden, but ultimately at the end of the day, mm. that's what it comes down to. But as long as you can openly talk about it. Yeah. You're then, just like learning to live alongside it exactly I was I I had um a message from someone who listens to my podcast and she was Mm. talking about how she had a friend that who was like a rugby boy who had lost his dad maybe like three four years before and he'd never spoken about it um and like it's hard giving people advice because it's maybe four or five years is enough for you to think I don't need to be speaking about this with my like my mates. I can yeah. like for me six seven years later from my brother. Or, well, it's nine now actually, but six seven years eight nine. I feel like I even though I had an anniversary. Uh, two it must have been about two weeks ago now. Yeah, yeah. So it was nine years two weeks ago ish, um, and I didn't like that day. I I felt absolutely nothing like mm. so. Yeah, I don't know. That's... It's weird how, like, some days, um, 
grief can like affect you more than others yeah like it could be like just a random day and you'll just get really upset about the person or like mm-hmm. miss them more and then on when you know society tells you you're supposed to be upset about it yeah um certain days you can be like way less upset than like you think you should be do you think do you have do you have like a pattern for you do you think that i don't think there's a pattern i think it's just like i think i push a lot of stuff to the back of my head when i'm like because so it's been like four five years since I lost my friend now Mm. and um I think you know it it gets to a point where you're thinking about other things all the time and that's kind of what I had recently had a bit of a wobble because I was constantly thinking about other things and I just like an anniversary came up um and I just thought oh um I'm like doing him a disservice like I'm not that's yeah but it is obviously like you do have to learn to live with it at some point and obviously you still care about them if you're not you know thinking about them every day and like, yeah, yeah you know you just can't yeah thoughts. you can't feel guilty for it yeah. yeah you can't live your life constantly like thinking of the past and stuff you can't feel guilty for like yeah lose it i i it's, it is a difficult one i um i, I think um I sort of I have that to an extent with my dad because mm. but then it, it is it's like a 50-50 thing. I I shouldn't feel guilty because ultimately it wasn't my fault that our relationship broke down and we didn't. Yeah, of not. Um he was the adult in that situation. Mm. So me not feeling how I should feel maybe on yeah. these specific patterned event, like you know the anniversaries mm. etc. Um it's not he- helpful to think that way yeah? and ultimately you have to do think productively yeah about it which which what way what way thinking about is going to be most uh yeah helpful provide me with the most sanity whatever um and you just have to i don't know what would you do if you felt like a level of guilt is there any i always feel guilt um (laughs) basically i i never really um said this uh to many people but Basically, the last time I could have seen my friend, I didn't know that he was, like, really, really ill. Mm. Um, my parents kind of tried to protect me and didn't want to, um, you know, worry me. Yeah. And I think because he was younger than me, um, when I, I grew up with him, um, he was, like, a really close family friend. But because he was younger than me, I think I had that classic mentality of, like, when you're a teenager and younger people, then you have problems. And you're like, oh, just wait until you have to do this and that. Like, he's not yeah. really ill. Yeah. Like, nothing bad's going to happen to him because he's young. Like, he will get over it. But um, obviously, like, I was just really ill-educated. And um, basically, the last time I could have seen him, um, he was, like, in my house um, with his wonderful mum. Mm. And um, I didn't say hi because it was, like, 3 p.m. and I was still in my dressing gown. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to treat him any differently than I would if he wasn't ill. And I kept, like, overthinking this. Like, what would I want if I was in his situation? Like, I wouldn't want people to, like, baby me or whatever when obviously you're not babying someone by just being like, oh, hey, like, how are you? But obviously it was just, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And, um, yeah, I didn't, devil. I didn't, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't see him the last time that I could have, which affected me massively. Um, I felt really, really bad, like really guilty for ages. And obviously OCD loves guilt. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. pretty just like clapped for a while. But um, I, when I started seeing my therapy, uh, therapist again, when I was sort of like mid-breakdown, I sort of got that off my chest and my therapist just helped me see it in a really helpful way. He was just like, 
do you think that he was thinking, oh, what a bitch, like, that's so rude, like, blah, blah, mm. blah. He obviously wasn't. He was obviously just like, oh, she's busy. Like, you're yeah, not, like, yeah. I wasn't that important. Like, that one action isn't going to be, like, the one thing he remembers about me. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And um, that really helped me, I think. But it is it is difficult with guilt and grief, and especially because, obviously, you've got really complex grief because you weren't, you know, a uh, difficult relationship with your dad. And it is difficult to, like, move on from, like, more complicated grief. Yeah. I don't really know how yeah. to um, phrase it. Yeah. Def- yeah, I definitely agree with that because it does, it plays on my mind more, mm. I would say. Um, so then I can't necessarily bring it to the forefront of my mind, settle it, and then just move on. It's, yeah. it's constantly, like, going back and forth. Or maybe I could have, like, I don't, like, it comes down to those little things. Did I send enough texts? Did he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the guilt thing is um, what definitely the hardest thing for me that I've had to mm. deal with. I I also don't think that it's like there's this like kind of narrative that's kind of pushed around mental health and around grief and everything that's like, oh like are you recovered? And people sort of take that narrative and like like use it on grief as well. And I don't think that it's possible to recover from grief, you know. You will never be the same if you lose, like, someone that's, you know, almost a part of you. And it's just about, you know, learning to, learning who you are, like, with with that experience, without that experience. Like, learning to be able to function normally, or to some degree normally, and live alongside that trauma and that grief and that everything. Well, that, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I don't, well, like, it's it, you just get stronger carrying that weight. I hate to use yeah. that. Like, there's, like, a Facebook meme about it, but it is literally, like, you, you, <laughs> do, true, you do get stronger carrying that weight. The weight never gets lighter itself, but you just, you just, it, you're just you able to handle it and develop with it, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my next question was going to be, like, have you ever sought therapy? And obviously you said you had counselling. Yeah, my therapy is... It's an interesting one. So when I was younger, um, like I said, I wasn't, in, I wasn't interested in it. I thought, you know, I I, I was the typical, you know, teenage boy who yeah. I could I could handle everything myself. Um, but then I started to recognise that I needed help when I it was the the December period of two thousand nineteen um, when I spoke to I've got a a tutor here, absolutely love him, I'm name dropping Paul Rag. <laughs> um, he he was like, I, because I could literally speak to any, any like, speak to him about anything, mm. and he was like, um, I'm going to get you booked in with our, because I think in our law school we have like a counsellor or something, um, so I booked him with the him, um, and I got a session, but like in terms of like seeking help before, we've my fact like, we've never been able to afford a therapist or anything like yeah. that. Um, so then, so we've had to do everything through the system. So yeah, which obviously the waiting list is so long. exactly. Like I, I somehow was able to because ours was a law school on our waiting list yeah. for sure. Um, so it's probably because the whole uh, course is hell. But <laughs> 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 um, so I saw him, and then th- this is where I sort of kicked myself for it because. I saw him and he was like, look, I'm going to give you this stuff. We're going to, you're going to go away. You're going to, I'm going to send you an email with all this stuff on it. You can do it. You send it back to me and we'll continue a regular relationship. Um, I went home over Christmas. I looked over the things and again, I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't go back. Um, and maybe me setting up the podcast was me recognizing that I should have. And this is my like, uh, like tool creativity to, to yeah, let's talk yeah. about it. Um, 
so yeah my relationship with therapy hasn't been necessarily a consistent one yeah I think that's the same for a lot of people though like I know girls with eating disorders and things yeah, that have yeah. always like like never wanted to go to therapy never wanted um you know just been scared of it and it can be really scary because you know that you're gonna have to face like all of the shit that you don't want to face my therapist yeah. also always would yeah. be like yeah sometimes people hate me like sometimes my clients absolutely hate me because I'm I make them address stuff that they don't want to address. Yeah, like, yeah. If they've got, like, an alcohol problem or, like, a drug problem or whatever, like, it, like he'll, he'll always be like, well, is that helpful, like, to me my ACD, obviously. And he was saying to me once that, yeah, this guy was just, like, getting really angry at him because, you know, it, you don't like the mirror being held up to, like, your, like, your worst behaviours or, like... And then also there's the other element of, like, you don't like you know, having to delve deep into your, like, trauma and stuff exactly, when you yeah, feel like yeah. you're, when you feel like you're kind of getting through it, but, but, you know, a lot of the time it is, like, suppressing it. Um, do you think the, like, the whole toxic masculinity thing had um, an impact on your view of therapy? I, um, I struggle with, I, I've spent, I did an episode on this, I struggle with toxic masculinity as a as label. A phrase, yeah. yeah. Reason being, in short, is because the product, like productivity element of it, is it is it healthy to label something? Yeah. And I completely understand the other side of the argument because you know generally it is male uh, masculine characteristics that do, that do possess those like toxic things. Um, but to answer that, I would say <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd be lying if I said no. Yeah. Um, it is definitely harder for. I don't want. I don't want. To, I want to say it's harder for men to talk about things, but well, it's. I'd say it's equally as hard. But we're maybe more likely to shut it down earlier. Yeah, there's more like social pressures. I think. Yeah, otherwise. and weirdly, normally the social pressure in terms of what people think about the way someone looks is on a woman. Mm. In terms of talking about mental health and things like, or just going or opening up about that thing, I think the appearance externally, I'm not really making complete sense here. <laughs> no, I know what it you mean. does like fall on, yeah, the, man. on the man. Um, but I, I, yeah, yeah, it, I, it's a difficult one. I'd definitely say yes. Um, I, there hasn't been any time in the last, in the last two years, I'd say. No, yeah, I'd say I've been able to um, talk about it, talk about everything easily. And I'll, I'll definitely say it's been easier to talk about it. I think people's perspectives on talking about things yeah. are changing. So yeah, I have had people, you know, people have just sat me down mm. and and they recognise that it's harder for, like I said, it's not harder for, it's harder for men to talk about it, let's say. Um, and I think as an umbrella term, though, it generally yeah. is a bit harder for men to, like, open up to their friends. Like, exactly. there's this whole, like, um, I was talking to this guy, Dan, who's on one of my last podcasts, um, and he was saying how, you know, you're expected to be, like, the fun guy, the guy that, you know, brings the party, brings the, exactly, like, yeah. uh, you're yeah, a good yeah. time, you're not, you know, oh, by the way, I've also got, like, all of this shit going on. Um, even one of my friends at uni was saying this to me the other day, he was like, I don't want to worry you guys. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But you're not worrying me, yeah. I want to know. It's worrying that you don't tell me, you know. Yeah. And I think it is, like, quite a big thing for a lot of I would say, I'd say, on the flip side, I would say I'm not typically the person, you know, how your friend Dan was saying, how 
um, he's expected to bring bring uh, bring the party. <laughs> um, I would say, I, in general, I'm more of a, a, a listener. So if I'm sat in a social gathering, I'm not um, necessarily the one to take control or anything like that. I'm one to sit back and just take it in. So then, then <laughs> like from that flip side. I then uh, I'm just constantly like listening. I'm not thinking yeah. about my output and actually yeah. talking about it from yeah from my point of view. Which um, can be really exhausting, like just yeah. like, listening to everyone else's problems and then like yeah, you know, and like, I, you're supporting I, I, everyone else. I, on that point, actually, I it's 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 I, I've, I've been speaking to my mom about this. It's a difficult one, and I've not said this on my podcast at all because I feel bad for saying it. It's yeah. one of those things where when I've set up my podcast, I, I, the, the there was two aims it was to help me and hopefully it can help other people mm. um but then there comes a point where i feel like sometimes i don't want to say too many people are coming to me but i feel like i'm people are becoming but relying on me yeah yeah no I and then the exact that's same that's the same sort of you know like dan was saying people are relying on him to supply yeah. that sort of thing people are now relying on me to supply this sort of thing yeah and then i'm not necessarily talking about the things that i want to talk. well it yeah. is what i want to talk about but it's not you know me exactly how i'm feeling in that moment yeah, exactly. and then that can build up and build up so yeah i have i have this on my account as well because i have um i get like quite a lot of messages with people mm-hmm. like kind of just like like giving me their trauma and like trying to like they think that i can like help them with it which you know like i am happy to do but you know, it's on my terms, like, mm-hmm. I, I can't just, you know, you can't just sacrifice yourself the whole time and, like, exactly. yeah. be there for everyone else but not yourself, and it is really hard finding that balance, and I don't think that's a bad thing to say at all, I think it's a very normal thing to feel, and... Yeah, think, yeah, I definitely, yeah, well, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know, but then that's the thing, like, when people come to you for general advice as well, it's more difficult yeah um and it's like yeah there comes a point there has been a few people and i've just been like i'm sorry but i just don't know what to say yeah like and it's I, okay to say that yeah. like you're not gonna know what to say all the time you're not like yeah omniscient <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah in your like worst moments obviously mm-hmm. like you know it, you sometimes you know you're not gonna get out of them for ages do you think there were any like turning points like do you think there was what was the main turning point for you to set up your podcast like I know you've spoken about this a bit um oh main turning point I haven't have you spoke about your moment I spoke about on a different podcast but not mine um I haven't had quite (laughs) an Ariana Grande moment um but I don't I don't think so it was just sort of a build up over progression three weeks but I've always always said that I've wanted to do a podcast mm. um and I've always I've always wanted to be creative in some sort of way so like the career that I'm going down it doesn't allow you necessarily to be creative but yeah. I consider myself a creative person um so I can't particularly remember uh, a turning point or anything it was probably over the course it was it was it must have been in the first week of lockdown um and i was saying i was seeing my friends from a sensible distance and i was just like talking out talking about how i want to do a podcast but then i'd go back inside and i was you know i was going through all these like feelings and everything and i just sort of like put the two together um and then so when i announced it you know just, you know the amount of support that you get from it yeah. is unbelievable um but yeah, I wouldn't say I've had a turning point. But yeah, I was saying to Louis earlier that I um, 
I had this moment where, well, obviously I had a mental breakdown and then, you know, I was dealing with, like, a lot of grief at the same time, like, coming to service. And, um, I was in my car and Ariana Grande released No Tears to Left to Cry. <laughs> and, um, because she'd been through so much stuff, mm. I sort of resonated with that voice. And I was like, well, if she can, like, still live her life, despite, like, everything that's happened to her. Yeah why why can't I like what's holding me back and I sort of just started thinking about it in, def- in a better way my therapist was like I want to write to Ariana Grande <laughs> I've just realized I, I have had one of these moments yeah I don't know I don't know if you know who he is but do you know you might roll your eyes when I say this but do you know who Jordan Peterson is I think I've heard of him right I so I don't is. agree with a lot of the things he says so I put that out there but I every time <laughs> I like to watch people that I disagree with yeah so I, and I like controversy and I like you know um but there are there are some things because he is a clinical psychologist over in Canada or something. Yeah. Um, there are some things that he does say which are that have that did resonate with me. Um, and I did speak about them in my first episode. So it was like um, because he his main audience uh, is ultimately it is like ninety five percent men. It's sort of like younger twenty to thirty year old men who feel a bit like. They feel apparently like lost or whatever. I felt lost for different reasons. Apparently, yeah. they just feel lost because society is um, pushing a certain narrative. Yeah, pushing a narrative that's leading them out. You yeah, know, pushing everyone's rights except from. But then you know, I, I don't want to. That is that is just a place <laughs> I don't want to go. Um, but he does talk about like I did mention it earlier about taking on responsibility. So mm-hmm. he's got a, a, a book out called like Twelve Rules of Life, um, and. I hate to say it is a self-help book. They are great. They are good sometimes, yeah. but then sometimes you do have to be critical of them. But his, uh, there was one where you just have to. Um, it's about taking on as much responsibility as you can in that moment, um, because then ultimately it does build you to be able to it's about sacrificing the present for the future. Yeah. So, yeah. and I know you know it probably goes against a few of the things that I've said, but. Um, again, as long as you talk about it and and you and you take on as many things as you possibly can, but again, I'll reinstate. As long as you talk about it, yeah. um, it does sort of set you up later on in life. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so when I first listened to him, when I first, uh, it must have been a TikTok that I came across, and I sort of yeah. went down a rabbit hole. Sort of initially, everything that I was hearing was music to my ears. And then later, obviously, like later, like, I thought he literally had the answers to life. Like, yeah. I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought that was it. It's the um, but then, obviously, as time went on, and I, I, I got into like I started watching other videos on his like politics and things like that. Didn't necessarily all the time agree with, but you know, like it, you, you do have to take the good parts from, of advice. From yeah, people you don't. Do you give. don't have to, you know, have a black and white view. Exactly, you can't. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just sort of like shut him out because he's got some views that I don't agree with. Views, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I that's think, yeah. that's my moment. I would say. I think um, with like the sacrificing the present thing, that's taught a lot in like most therapies. Like um, I had acceptance and commitment therapy, like for mm. CBT for my OCD, and like I've got this book uh, called The Happiness Trap. It's by yeah. this guy called Russ Harris. Go get it. And um, that is all about like yeah, like sacrificing the present for the future. Because obviously, my behaviours, I do them to like feel better in the moment like exactly feel less yeah you think only about the short term yeah. yeah yeah and um it's about shifting your viewpoint from okay well this is going to help me now but it's not actually helpful in the long term like if i'm relying on like tapping loads of shit like wherever i'm going like 
that's not going to be helpful. Like, I'm still going to be scared of all of these stories. I'm still going to be scared of, like, what might happen, like, all of this stuff. And it's about, you know, addressing the future. Like, looking after your yeah. your future self as well as, like, the present one, um, which is kind of, like, the main shift in therapy. Yeah, it's about, yeah, it's definitely the productivity of it, I think. Uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you have the ability to look long-term... Um, then it does massively help. And I also had this sort of, I went through this sort of existential crisis period at the yeah. beginning where I was just thinking, I was sort of thinking like, I've lost like so many yeah. instrumental figures so early on. What is the point in me yeah. working so hard now if I can like die within the next five years? Like, What is the mm-hmm. point in me putting in all these hours if um, I'm not going to see the dividends in 20 years, 30 years? Um, and that's definitely I, de- I I still sort of struggle existentially with it. Yeah. Um, but I think I've sort of like it, it comes down to sort of drilling it into my brain that I need to start thinking more long term, and that not that isn't what I, my background isn't a normal background. Yeah. It's not what an average person goes through. So, albeit people go through different things, but um, yeah. So the ability to start looking forward and start you know, thinking less about the moment, well, thinking less about the moment, but also thinking more about, thinking, the, moment. Thinking about the moment and being able to, well, I think as long as you can rationalise yeah. it and you can relate it, then I think that's all that's necessary, really. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, we will leave you guys on those words of wisdom. Thank um, you for having me. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> If you guys want to go check out Louis, his um, Instagram and podcast. It is the, uh, my Instagram is the, at, at the Louis Morgan podcast. Um, and then my, I'm on, there'll be a, a link on my Instagram that will take you to all the different platforms. So you can listen to it anywhere. Yeah, I'll put it um, in the description as well. And Louis is with an E, not an S. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, also, if you're struggling with grief and stuff, there are um, really good helplines out there. Samaritans, um, Shout. My friend Theo's also got a really good podcast called The Life After Podcast, which you should go check out. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.